Welcome into Fun Friday here on the Paul Farrington Show. I'll be joined by Jack Weinberger. We have an interview today. Tyler Shedler, former all Big East first team, Big East preseason player of the year in 2021. He'll be joining us, talk a little baseball, talk a little bit about fitness life and the fitness brand that he is building. But first, let's hit some listener questions. Dear Paul, what do you make of the Aaron Rodgers to Tennessee Titans rumors? Hmm. Just looked into this, found a report on Pro Football Talk. According to Jared Stillman of 102.5 The Game in Nashville, he reported that Packers quarterback has purchased land and is in the process of building a house in Franklin, Tennessee, a suburb of Nashville, home of the Titans. Stillman adds that Rodgers is open to joining the Titans. You can look at this in two ways. The first one, the reasonable one, the one that most people should take is Aaron Rodgers is a multimillionaire. He's the MVP of the NFL. He's about to be the back-to-back MVP of the NFL. He can do whatever he wants. He can live wherever he wants to. He probably has friends in Nashville who he's gone and visited. He's liked their houses. He's gone down there before. We know that he likes to play guitar. He's into music. In all likelihood, Aaron Rodgers probably just wants a place in Nashville for when he decides he wants to go to Nashville because he can do that because he's Aaron Rodgers. But then you start to think about it. Well, he likes Mike Rabel, Titans head coach. All right, that's important. Head coach, player relationship. We know him and Lafleur get along, but they're not the best of friends. So there's a little bit of an upgrade. Now let's think about the situation. Well, Tennessee, strong defense, great defensive line. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannehill. If you give the Titans Aaron Rodgers, what does that offense look like? What does that team become? They were already the number one seed with Ryan Tannehill. If you give them Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> how do you stop them? What do you do? You put eight in the box, leave one-on-ones for their receivers? You can't do that. Rodgers will pick you apart. Well, all right, why don't, we, why don't we put six or seven in the box? Then you have Derrick Henry run down your throat. That would be an unbelievably entertaining offense to watch in Tennessee. But let's take this a step further now. We know that if he's to leave the Packers, which uh, as some reports say, teammates think there's zero chance he returns, not like we've heard that story last year, but say there is a 0% chance he comes back to Green Bay, he's not going to the NFC. People are saying Tampa Bay could be an option now with Brady gone. Look, why would the Packers, who want to compete, if they lose Rodgers, they're going to be in a rebuilding phase, but they still want to compete. They're not going to send him off to an NFC team that they'll have to go through to get to the Super Bowl. He's going to go to an AFC team. The most popular choice has been the Denver Broncos. But if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos, sure, he joins Nathaniel Hackett, his former offensive coordinator, but you have to go through Patrick Mahomes. You have to go through maybe Derek Carr. You have to go through Justin Herbert. This is the process. This is what it will take to win that division. A guaranteed Mahomes-Herbert twice a year each just to win the division. That's not even considering Lamar Jackson. That's not even considering Joe Burrow. The AFC South, though, the quarterbacks you're competing against, Trevor Lawrence, Davis Mills the third, and Carson Wentz. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I like Nashville, I like Mike Vrabel. I see Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, who, yeah, he's old, but he's still Julio Jones. And then I see those quarterbacks. Why wouldn't I be intrigued by Tennessee? What about that situation is not enticing to Aaron Rodgers? Nashville is certainly more fun to live in than Green Bay. 
an easier path to a division title, probably even than the NFC North. The Vikings, for as brutal as they can be at times, can sometimes be a pain in the ass. So Aaron Rodgers has to be looking at this, saying to himself, if Tennessee can make this work financially, why not consider it? Probably not going to happen. Very unlikely to happen. But find me many situations that are better for Aaron Rodgers, for him to win, for him to get enjoyment, than going to the Tennessee Titans. Not sure you can find many. Second question here, Paul. What do you think of the new Washington football team name, the Washington Commanders? Oh, gosh, I think it's I think it's horrible. Whenever I see a terrible TV commercial, one of the first things I think of is that not only did someone create this, several people with experience and high executive positions at companies approved of it. And that's where I get lost. Is how can multiple people think that the Washington Commanders is a good football team name. I know that you had issues with the Red Wolves because the Timberwolves apparently own the rights to every single wolf combination you could put out in sports. I could be a little bit wrong on that, but you ran into issues there with the fan favorite. And Red Wolves, to me anyway, sounds like a Canadian Football League team or an XFL. That's not an NFL name, in my opinion, even though it's fun and it's probably better than Commanders. I like something like the Admirals, though. If you were going to go down that route of Commander, President, Governor, whatever crap they're coming up with, Washington Admirals just has a little bit more of a, a nice ring to me. And then you could play around with the logo, put the A underneath the W. Like it, it's, I mean, I think my marketing right there is better than anything for Washington Commanders. So no, I'm not a fan at all. I know a lot of Washington football team fans are upset with it. Uh, and a few of them are thinking about jumping ship. Uh, just, just a mess there. Look, it's a name. People will get over it. I'll get over it. I'll, after this recording, I'm not going to think about it again. But just in my opinion, not a very good team name to choose nothing nothing jumps off the page there what's the marketing what's the merchandising what's the the appeal to the commanders i don't see it don't like it but what have most people liked with this franchise over the past 10 15 20 however many years it is now all right let's get to the interview gonna bring in jack weinberger to co-host this with me here we go all right i am pleased to introduce former all big east first team center fielder 2021 preseason player of the year in the Big East, the founder of the newly formed Shed Strength, Tyler Shudler. How we doing, boys? Tyler, how you Welcome been? Come on, Tyler. I'm awesome. I'm awesome. How are you guys feeling after that loss we gave you guys a couple of months back? <laughs> uh, not, not too good. Not too good. But uh, it's becoming a bit of the status quo. We actually have a question on that later. So we're, uh, awesome. we're well stocked up to talk a little Thanksgiving football. Can't wait. So, Tyler, let's start uh, senior year of high school, because that's really where we first became friends. Uh, in the winter, no big deal. You set the record for the 55-meter, 200-meter dash, Northern Highland school record. Spring rolls around, starting center fielder, playing baseball with all your best friends. Uh, you set the Bergen County record for single-season runs scored, stolen bases. Have a great season. We win the state championship, first time in school history. We can ignore the fact that you know, I was brought along as stack keeper and just so happened to coincide with that first championship. But we'll, we'll push that aside for now. You get all these records. You're arguably one of the best athletes to ever come out of Northern Highlands. How heavily recruited were you throughout high school? If I'm being honest, uh, I wasn't really too heavily recruited out of high school. Um, once I really kind of made strides in my own fitness, my own training, my own kind of really trying to better myself as an athlete and as, as a player. Once I kind of made the jump to play for the Niners in the uh, like South Jersey league where I played for this uh, man, Robert Maida, 
probably one of the greatest coaches, I think, in the area for kids coming out of high school, looking to get recruited to play college baseball, really helped me get my name out there, play in front of colleges, play in front of even some professional teams. Um, didn't really make the jump to get recruited until about my summer going into my senior year. So I was actually a late sign for even Seton Hall. And um, the only two schools that I think I re D1 schools that I really got looked at were Seton Hall and uh, Coastal Carolina for a little bit. So it was a uh, it was honestly, I, I wasn't really, I kind of was flying under the radar a little bit in high school, which was, uh, I think it kind of was good for me because it fueled my fire, kind of motivated me once I got to college. And um, it, it really helped me out in, in uh, keeping that fire going throughout college too. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm sure having that chip on your shoulder all four years, all five years, you're probably able to keep that. I, I want to progress through here. Your collegiate debut. And at bat against Florida, who at the time is number two in the country, what's going through your head? Because nine months ago, you're playing high school baseball, and now all of a sudden you're making your debut against a top two team in the country. What was that like? Yeah, that was that was a uh, that was pretty crazy. Um, I remember we were playing in front of like the whole Gainesville Stadium, and uh, I was watching guys go up, and like we were we were competing pretty well with them the first two games, and I think the third game is when I got my at bat, and uh, we were kind of down a little bit at the end of the game. Uh, Coach Shep was throwing in some pinch hitters, and uh, walk up to the plate, and I'm just looking around. And I'm like, wow, this is the most people I've ever played in front of, seen in a stadium where I'm actually playing. And um, I was facing this guy who was just whipping it like 91, 92 from the left side. And uh, I, I was like thinking to myself, you know, I, this is my first at bat. Like I'm I'm getting my money's worth. And I took a couple hell hacks and uh, I think I struck out on a high fastball. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, well, I, I tried. I tried, you know, I didn't want to go down looking, walked, uh, walked back to the plate. And all I could uh, remember hearing was the whole stadium going right left right left oh, right man. left. yeah <laughs> kind of giving me that chirp and everything and i was like I, and it wasn't like wasn't really intimidating it was like oh this is what it's all about this it's is almost like stuff. like i'm here now yeah absolutely as somebody who's played baseball you know you and i played together growing up on the allendale heave for years and years and years um i played in high school up until sophomore year i never played in college like you have five years at seton hall what is it like you know, the difference in speed, the, the difference in level of competition, like that first at bat against Florida, you know, how different is that, you know, than facing kids on, you know, Paramus and Westwood and like, what's, what's the difference? What's going through your head that first at bat? It's, uh, it, it's intense. It's very, it, it's, it's gets your adrenaline pumping and it really puts you like, you gotta be really in the moment to, because you know that, like these are the best of the best athletes that they're getting to compete against each other year in and year out. This is the what you kind of work for when you're in high school and you dream about playing D1. So it's it's really it gets your adrenaline going. It puts you in the moment, but you can't let it get the most of you because like the guys who let that happen, they'll kind of the, the moment will get the best of them and they won't be able to perform at the highest level. Um the speed of the game is much faster. Everything moves at a much quicker pace. The pitcher wants to kind of just shove it down your throat if you're a hitter. 
which is good. That's the way baseball should be played. It should be played fast. It should be played aggressively, offensively. It's, it's, uh, it was great. I loved it. It was, it, it kind of, I think college baseball suited my style of playing better. Like I think I, I think some guys, when they get to that level, they'll kind of, the game will get the most of them and the game will be too fast for them. And I think once I got to college, I was like, okay, this, I could play at this speed. This is kind of better suited for me. I was a fast runner. I wanted to swing early in the count. I wanted to get my swings off. I wanted to make things happen. And um, I, I think the speed of the game helped me in a way where I, whereas I was more suited for that level as opposed to maybe some people coming out of high school, but um, it's, it's, it takes definitely takes an adjustment period where I, I think my whole freshman year, I think most people's freshman years when they get to college, I think most people's, it takes them some time to really get acclimated to the environment, the competition, the, the coaches, co- you're going to get coached much differently um, where it's more of more so a business rather than like a very kind of like player coach relationship in high school. It's, it's a, uh, it's the real deal. And um, you got to be ready for it mentally, but the uh, your coaches will help you along the way. And Seton Hall did a great job of kind of promoting uh, that and helping us get the most out of ourselves. Yeah. It's great stuff. We all know how big of a jump, it is, you know, not many people able to go from playing in high school to playing on the D1 level. I'm going to ask you, Tyler, what's the fastest pitch that you've ever seen? Uh, I think the fastest pitch I ever saw was 99, and it was <sighs> from Honor Grammis from Xavier. And uh, I remember he was throwing 99 at our place, and um, – Oh, his dog was going crazy. There, he was throwing 99 at our place my sophomore year. And uh, I remember Kang on a high fastball that he blew by me at like 98, 99. And then it's funny because the next year, uh, I don't think his velo was that high because they had made him a starter. But I, I took him deep way over the left center field fence. Uh, I think Grand Slam, too, or something. It was, it was, it was sweet. But um. Yeah, my buddy Jerry's there right now at uh, at Xavier, so he'll get a kick out of that one. But um, yeah, it was uh, that it's when you see a pitch coming in that hard, you get two thoughts go through your mind. It's like, wow, that's really fast, and then the second thought is like, okay, I I think I can handle that. Like it's it's not anything like because when you're playing at that level and you're seeing like 91, 92 consistently. And it's like you see a guy throwing in, like throwing at that speed. It's like, all right, I, I think I can handle this. It's it's not really so much like, oh, God, I'm never going to be able to hit that. Because, if I mean, if you have that mindset, you're never going to hit it. But if you go in with the mindset that's like, all right, I, I just got to speed myself up. I got to focus more. I got to be ready for that fastball. It's uh, it's It's easy to get adjusted to. Is 92-93, is there a big difference? People have told me before that 92-93 is way different from 95. Like once you hit 95, it's almost like a different league. Is that is that yeah. true or am I just spewing garbage? No, they're definitely onto something. I think the guys that throw, like if they have a really high spin rate on their fastball, the guys who like get it up above like 95, 96, like their fastball will like actually kind of – almost appear like it's rising a little bit like their spin rate so high that it, it will appear that it 
that it does that, but not necessarily. I don't think it will rise, but like as a batter, it's like that ball is just fucking levitating in there. And um, I think usually when the guys get to like the mid upper nineties, that's what happens. Mostly that's mostly just for like guys who have really high spin rates. Some guys who like will throw more three quarters and they'll be throwing more two seams. Their ball will have more sink. And that's like an opposite thing. But guys who are like over the top, their ball is going to be like, spinning really fast like we have a guy uh, my one of my former teammates he's with the red Sox right now andrew politi and he's one of those guys really high spin rate um throws gas and he's one of those guys that like will get it by you with that really fat really good fastball so jack and i we've talked about this a lot we think hitting a baseball has got to be one of the top five hardest things to do in sports jack says it's the hardest in his opinion definitely when you talk about the spin rate and all that when the ball's coming in are you able to see the spin like right off, right out of the pitcher's hand? Or are you reacting more? Or are you thinking like, oh, I, I know that's fastball. Like I'm swinging. Or is it more of just a reactionary thing? So that's a, it, it, that's a really good question. Cause I think that people who watch baseball and like as then they're fans of the sport, like it's good for them to really kind of understand just what's going through the hitter's mind, the pitcher's mind in the moment, because there's, there really is so much going on, but the biggest thing, like when you are in the moment, it's, it's, you're not thinking about those things. You're trying to just visualize and see what the big picture is, what the pitcher's throwing. And that takes hundreds of at bats that takes looking for certain patterns, whether it be like listening to guys in the dugout, like if they're able to see how the pitcher throws his curveball, whether it's his delivery is different, whether his arm slot is different. Um, but yeah, when you, when a hitter's going really well, and I, I could tell you this from experience, like you see the ball right out of the pitcher's hand. It's like, it's like fat, like as soon as he releases it, you know, it's a fastball. As soon as he releases it, you see a like a ball bump up. And then, you know, like it's you see with topspin, that's a curveball. Um, you see a guy kind of yielding off this way. You see change up and it, that that takes time and it takes consistency of seeing pitches and um, to get really good at that, to get good at deciphering which is which and um, getting your timing down on those certain pitches, because it's a uh, it's that, that's the hardest thing about hitting, like not really knowing what the pitcher's throwing and then having to react in that three tenths of a second time to decide what pitch it is, when to swing, like where you want to hit the ball, whether it's outside, inside, high down. And those things really only come <clears throat> by a process of just doing it over and over and over again, whether you're working in like a cage, whether you're just getting live at bats off pitchers. And um, I'm a firm believer that those are those are things that you can't be really thinking about in the present moment when you are up there. It has to just be a bank of knowledge that you store. And it's like, all right, I know what a curveball looks like when it first comes out. I know what a fastball looks like. I'm going to trust that and like give it my best, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about getting into a groove. I mean, Tyler, I was looking at your, uh, your numbers last night, your junior year. Holy crap, man. 324. You basically lead the team in every statistical category no errors junior year i felt like at least from a college standpoint for myself you kind of finally get into a groove with friends you know where you fit into the school maybe what you want to do in the future like what what helped you junior season 
to allow you to explode the way you did? Was it just that you got in a groove and, and just rode it throughout the year? Absolutely. I, I think it was a combination of those things. I think it was a combination of me finding a passion of what I wanted to do with like my body and my, my work ethic where I wanted to get some, I wanted to put on some strength. I wanted to get more explosive. I wanted to make sure I was as fast as possible. I wanted to do all these things and these, and my work ethic really just kind of came together that year where as my freshman and sophomore years, I think it takes time to really acclimate to the college atmosphere, whether it be, like the physical demands, the academic demands, the, even like the social life and everything. Like I'm my junior year, I really got down to trying to get into a good routine where I was getting my swings in the cage at least every night, um, making sure I never missed a day in the weight room and making sure I tried my best every day, day in and day out at practice and conditioning in everything and i because i really tried i really started taking things more seriously that year and um i wanted my play to speak for itself and uh i was really happy with the results of that year it was a fun year that was probably my favorite time playing baseball uh with my best friends from school that i'll have for the rest of my life and uh definitely grateful that i found that kind of schedule and routine that i found worked for me Take us through, Tyler, your senior year. You know, you do it again. You bat over 300. Preseason, all Big East. But the season's cut to ugly 14, 15 games because of the coronavirus. Take us through those emotions that you're going through at that time when the season's cut short. You know, what's going through your head that this could potentially be it? This could potentially be my college career. You know, what's going on in your mind? Oh, absolutely. That was that was brutal. That was something that will definitely never forget because that was uh, obviously your senior year, something you look forward to more than anything, you know, it's like your last go around with the guys that you've been playing with for the past couple of years. And um, they've become your best friends and that you go to war with these guys day in and day out, whether it be even at practice in the weight room and conditioning, like these are your brothers. And uh, to we, I remember we had practice and these teams were kind of like canceling their games over the weekend. And it was weird because like we never heard that before for a freaking virus. And uh, so like we got home back to our house and then we saw on ESPN, it was like NCAA to cancel all spring sports. And we were like looking at each other like, is this real? Like, is this serious? And then we started to see like the Twitter posts and social media kind of talking all about this kind of crap. And then, um, then yeah, we got a meeting with a coach the next day and it was just like, so surreal. Cause we didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen. We thought like, Oh, that's it. Your college careers over. And, uh, it was definitely like, it was emotional for us at the time. Um, considering like, you know, you ready to go to war with these guys and then that being like stripped from you. And that was, uh, definitely, it was tough at the time, but you know, everyone had to deal with it. It was something that not like us as athletes kind of had it. I mean, a lot better than some other people who like had their whole jobs taken away and like their whole sense of livelihood. So in a, in a way it was tough, but we were grateful to kind of just be in the situation that we were in that, you know, like we could have it a lot worse, you know? I remember being in my junior year at Marist at the time when the whole, you know, when it's all going down that March, I believe it was, 
And uh, I remember reaching out to you. I, I felt bad. I'm like, this yeah. this can't be happening. Uh, you get a you get a fifth year, 2021, and I'm I'm assuming this is probably a stupid question. There was never a doubt you're playing that fifth year, correct? Oh no, no. I was. I think I think I texted my coach like the week or so as soon as like they told us the season's over. I was like, coach, like I'm ready to come back. Like just let's let's run it back next year. Like uh, there was never a doubt. Oh, that's like, I awesome. wanted to Yeah, I wanted to go out with my brothers and I think a couple of my other teammates, they felt the same way. They were like, nah, we can't go out like this. So we were able to finish off our season seniors seasons and our careers at Seton Hall, the way it was supposed to happen, you know, not cut short by some outside factor. So then Tyler, 2021, you're the preseason co-big East player of the year. And I remember, I think Jack sent me the post and we're like, Holy crap. Like, you know, I, I followed you from afar, but I, I didn't realize the extent to which you were dominating in the Big East. Did you know that that was coming? Was that like, did someone call you up and tell you ahead of time before the announcement, or like what what was your reaction to to getting that? No, I had no idea. I remember <laughs> I remember when I was told that I was in stretch lines and like we were all like in before practice, like kind of like joking around, talking, and uh, my coach comes up to me and like I had said something like kind of. I don't really remember, but uh, our coach was like, oh, like the player, preseason player of the year. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, really? I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it was, wow. I didn't want to really think of it too much because, you know, like things like that could go to your head and make you th- like think too much about it and everything. But I, I was just like, oh, this is new information. That's, it's good. You know, I, I was happy and I was, grateful for the recognition from the conference and everything but uh what motivated me most i was like all right now i i gotta turn it on i want to play i want to win a championship with my guys god so you took that and you said all right now i need to prove that i i am the Big East player of the year you didn't you didn't feel That's any true. pressure or anything from that at all uh i think it, i'd be wrong to say that you don't feel any pressure because obviously like a uh, an accolade like that it's going to come with pressure it's just your ability to handle it and kind of stifle those emotions and move kind of forward and past it and focus on like new and bigger things that like are in the present moment you know and i think uh i think that's kind of how everyone should handle those kind of things you know like that yeah it's great and all but still got to perform and still got to do everything to the best of your ability this whole process tyler of you know of professional teams, I'm sure you had a goal to play at the next level. What was that like in communications in communication with those guys, the pro organizations, you know, your junior and senior and fifth years, uh, any teams reaching out to you like, and, and who may they be? Yeah, I had a, I had a couple looks. So after my junior season, I had that season where I kind of broke out a little bit, um, showed people like what I was capable of doing on the field. And, uh, so my senior year came around and I had a couple meetings with a couple teams, um, like their regional scouts came to talk to me and it was cool. Cause like, I was kid from like Allendale, not really expecting too many looks like this coming out of high school. Like, so it was, it was surreal. I think I had looks from the pirates, the reds, um, uh the padres and i think one more team that i'm not i think the nationals but could be mistaken but yeah the scouts come in they talk to you they ask you questions and um they get to know you and uh yeah it was 
more than grateful for even the opportunity to be thought of by some of those organizations. That's great stuff. So when the 2021 season ends and your college career comes to a close, in your in your mind, are you saying like, I want to go pro right now? Was that the next thought? Oh, absolutely. You know, like I, I think anyone who's finishing their baseball career in college uh, who had aspirations in the past, I think they're more than happy and willing to take the opportunity if it's presented to them to play at the next level. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't happen for some people. And um, obviously the draft being cut short the past couple of years didn't help some guys. But, you know, like you have those dreams and you have those aspirations to continue to play. And because you think, you know, you're more than capable of doing it. But um, sometimes uh, God or the universe, whatever has a plan for you. And sometimes that's not a part of it, you know? Yeah. I have, I have to imagine though the work ethic, like I, I've seen your work ethic before. It must just be crazy being around guys who are all trying to go pro, like pushing each other to get to the next level. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. There was a, a period in time where it was, we had a squad going to um, PBI, the baseball place where I'm actually working as a strength coach right now. We were going there. It's uh, one of my teammates' father's facility, Doug Sanella. Um, and uh, we would go there every day and hit and field and throw and just work on our game. It was like the winter going into this past year, so last winter. And um, it was guys with Sonny Juliana, a catcher from University of Rhode Island, Vinnie Martin, an outfielder from UMass Lowell, um, Joe Sanella, a pitcher from – Seton Hall, Ricky DeVito, he's a pitcher with the Braves, and uh, my buddy James Karinchak, who's a pitcher for the Indians, we would be working out and going after it pretty much every day that winter, and it was it's a, it was a good environment to be around because you're around guys that are successful in this field and that want to get better, and it was it was great because we would all like kind of feed off each other's energy, and it's uh, it's definitely motivating and it's good to be in an environment where everyone's kind of pulling in that same direction of just like trying to just get better and be the best you could be. And, and you mentioned now you're kind of getting into that route of becoming a personal trainer. You, you start up Shed Strength. Uh, not sure if that's official yet, but we're going to pretend like Shed Strength is the name of it right now. Um, Hell yeah. So if, if you're listening, check out the Instagram. Some of the videos that Tyler posts are just insane. Like Tyler... You're deadlifting 675 pounds. Like, like what What the fuck, man? Yeah, That's insane. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was something that I found out that I was, I was good at. It, I used weight training and I used uh, heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, like box jumps, things where you're using like your, your entire like force, like your max effort capacity to – I wanted to get more explosive. My first step, stealing a base. I wanted to get better at that. I wanted to sprint faster from home to first. And I, through my own research and through my own kind of experimenting with myself, I realized like, oh, you, if you want to really make yourself the best athlete possible, you got to use like some max effort capacity training where you're really pushing yourself to the limit. And um, as I started to do that and get better at it, I was like, oh, this is cool and i'm able to do more than most people i know and i kind of got hooked on like the hobby of getting stronger and kind of getting good at that scenario and then i honestly 
like guys even on my team would like talk to me about like training and everything. They would ask me to like write workout programs. And I was like, oh, this is something I even like doing that I got satisfaction out of because I wanted to help people like do the kind of the same things that I was doing. Like I wanted to help them get stronger because I knew that weight training and getting bigger and stronger and faster was a big part of my college success. I came in freshman year at about 158, 160 pounds. I was, I was thin. And, uh, I, you're you're telling me, (laughs) (laughs) and I ended up, I ended up bulking up and putting on some, some good weight and, uh, it helped me drive the ball farther into gaps. It, I, it helped me with my first step out of stealing a base. It helped my arm strength. And um, that was something I saw was transformative in not only my baseball career, but my own life and things that come with that aspect of kind of bettering yourself in the weight room. And I, uh, I was like, oh, this is something that I could, I think I could see myself doing later in life, like helping people find that that version of themselves where like they want to get stronger and they want to see what their body's capable of. I'm going to veer off of uh strictly baseball here for a second. I'm just wondering, you played five years in the big East at Seton hall. You I mean, obviously traveled around a lot. Say Xavier, Creighton, Villanova, now you've been down to Florida. Like we discussed Louisiana. Is there like a best restaurant, like your best place to eat that your team has been to that you can remember? Oh man, that's a good, that's a really, really good question. Cause there's been, there's been a lot, there's been some good meals that my friends and I have definitely searched out. Cause that was like some of the biggest things. Like we're like, Oh, where, where are the good restaurants around where our hotel is? I got to say there was my sophomore year and my teammates can attest to this. We, we're in Nebraska. It's going to be interesting because out of all the places we went to, we were in Hawaii, we were in San Francisco, we were in Los Angeles. I think my favorite restaurant was we were playing Creighton and in Omaha and our coach, like we got on the bus and they took us to this like steakhouse in Omaha, Nebraska. That was like kind of a little bit farther away from the city. And it was like, it was a weird environment. Um, because the guys like who are serving you, like the waiters and everything, they're dressed as like druids. They have like these cloaks on and everything. And, but it was the best steak I've ever had in my entire life by far. Like I remember me and my roommate, Matt Toke, we were like looking at each other like, holy shit, this is like the best steak I've ever had in this creepy restaurant, like hole in the wall in like the middle of the plateaus of Omaha. Like you would never expect it, but it was absolutely phenomenal and um if anyone's ever out in omaha i I can't remember the name but if i can if it comes back to me i'll definitely i'll uh tell you guys to comment it or something because it it was amazing i'll try and remember or ask my coach or something i'm sure those team dinners tyler like after the games or what you guys look forward to did the food taste better after a win or you know after a loss did it make everything you did taste the same Definitely. Yeah. If we had like a, a meal or something after like a big win, like it, whether it be they ordered it for us in like a hotel or we go out to like a restaurant, the the vibes and everything, the conversations, I feel like probably everyone probably eats more when you win. And it's that's just the that's the process of 
winning. You know, you want more of that. You want more of that good energy. And when you lose, it's like no one's talking to each other. Everyone's just kind of like looking down. And like, obviously those feelings subside because it's baseball and you, you have another game tomorrow. But definitely everything flows better when after a nice win or after like a, a good game. You know, so even some good games, you're going to end in a tough loss and it's all baseball. Winning cures everything. Absolutely. All right, last question, Tyler. Every year for the past three years, you and your friends, Thanksgiving pickup football game against Jack, myself, and our friends. Now, uh, for listeners, Tyler quarterbacks his team. I quarterback mine. A D1 player, you know, Big East preseason player of the year versus podcast host. So Tyler and them, they're 3-0 right now. They're 3-0. No surprise. Has there been any point, Tyler, in any of the games, all three of them, where there was a sliver of doubt in your mind that you weren't going to win? Yeah, I think I think the so the first year, no, <laughs> the, first, <laughs> the first year when we played at at the Kinder Soccer Field on at Brookside, that was that was as as confident as I've ever been. I was uh, the ball was flinging out of my hands. I was throwing darts. Like even in warmups, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough one. And uh, I think I threw maybe one incomplete pass that game. But then when we played at Highlands the next year, which is a field that like you guys are more kind of suitable to playing on, it was like three to three or like, it was like close at one point. And then I think, you it, I guys, think, it, was, I think it was nine eight. I think it was nine. Yeah, eight. yeah, it Here's was. A- we play like win by two, and we uh, I think I threw like a pick late in the game or something. I'm like, God damn, this is because we had all me and all my friends. We were like gonna go out after we're like oh it's we're gonna smoke these guys beat them and then like the, the beers later are gonna be going down nice and nice and nice and well the same kind of concept like oh we're gonna win have a good day and then i think i remember thinking to myself i'm like oh shit like this isn't gonna be good if we if we lose to these guys but ended up pulling pulling our shit together figuring it out uh definitely was helped by the defense that year they had some big plays obviously. all right all right all right <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you you remember the uh, our our photographer that we had that was taking pics. I know you guys had a big pick, and then and then you guys took that picture. That was a definitely a good time. But um, yeah, I think th- that year was close. It was that that was the last year. But then this past year, felt confident as ever again. Kinder soccer field, ball was flinging out of my hands. I think uh, I think we're looking at another four and I think we're looking at a four and record next year. Oh, an early prediction? An early yeah, prediction early for you? Prediction. Yeah. I think we got our first win. We're 2-1 against the spread. That's all that matters. That is all that matters. You know, if guys <laughs> I want are, the if win. Guys I, I there, want the win. If, if guys are out there taking taking you guys against the spread, I think that's <laughs> that's a good bet to keep going on. I don't think we're the best at covering the spread. We got a – I mean, we got – we usually have Andrew Keenan, who's supposed to be a good luck charm, but he, he didn't even show this year. So maybe Alec Lopez is our he's, he's our number one guy. Yeah, that was brutal. That was brutal. <laughs> I got I got to reduce those second half picks. <laughs> well, all right, there you go. There you have it, Tyler Shedler. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. Again, check out Shed Strength on Instagram. We have like forty five seconds here, so Tyler, go ahead, plug yourself real quick. Uh, yeah, come check out Shed Strength. It's my Instagram page. I'm trying to, uh, I got some clients on there. I'm trying to kind of produce, like grow that and show people what it's like to really push your body to the limit and get the most out of yourself. Follow me on that journey and, uh, going to be getting an LLC on that soon. So 
yeah, going to be he's seeing a lot of that in the future. There you have it. Tyler Shedler, McAvoy. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. Awesome. You guys are the best. Thank you, Tyler. Of course. Thanks, guys.